Hey, this is Scott Taylor. I am so glad that you have joined us. I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church, and we would love to connect with you. You can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at TPCGVL, or you could text the word CONNECT to 864-479-4483. We've got a word for you today that I hope challenges you and inspires you. So today we're going to go into the book of Mark, and we're going to talk about why Mark is important. Remember, you've seen some facts already in the video about Mark and why that book is so important. It's, one of, it's the most translated book in the history of the world. So this is the book that has been translated the most because you don't have to have an understanding of Jewish history and, and the customs and the language and all of that. You don't have to have an understanding to get the references in the book of Mark because Mark didn't write it to the Jewish people. He wrote it to you and me, unless you're a Jewish person. And the book of Mark also is an action story. Like he doesn't do any of the begots and the begots, don't get me wrong, the begots are important because it fulfills, it shows the fulfillment of Christ in our life and the promises of Christ in our life. But I like the book of Mark because it's like the Cliff Notes version of the Bible. Like it's the Cliff Notes version of Jesus' life, and it shows us what it would have been like to live in the time of Jesus. And I really like that because I'm not a big reader, y'all. I, like I, in the Cliff Notes, I wanted the Cliff Notes of the Cliff Notes. I would write my book reports, no offense to the teachers in the room listening to us online. I would write my book reports on the jacket of based on the jacket of the book. Y'all remember that? Anybody else with me? You'd read the jacket of the book, the little summary, and then you would just basically extrapolate, right? That's a fancy word for other things. So exploring the book of Mark, today we're going to dive into chapter 4. We're going to be doing this. We may take a break and come back to it, but today we're going to go to chapter 4. And if you remember last week, chapter 3 had a common theme. It was about the separation of the crowd Those that followed Jesus because it was popular. Those that followed Jesus because of what he could do for them and real true followers. So it was was the believers, the crowd, and the followers, the disciples. And we saw that the disciples are somebody that's not in the stands, right? They're not part of the crowd. They're on the bench waiting to go. So they're going to practice. They're learning. They're preparing. They're doing all the things that are necessary. And then at some point, because we see this in Mark chapter 3, those disciples had to transition from being a learner to being a doer. And that's the point that each and every single one of us as a follower of Christ has to do at some point in your life. You have to transition from being a, a listener You have to transition from being in the crowd, from being just a believer, to being a follower. And because those disciples went, because those disciples answered the call of Jesus, listen to me, because they did that, they started something great that you and I are part of today. I firmly believe this. They went from just following Jesus around and listening to his teacher and being in the in crowd and getting to be the the guys around the famous person, and they made Jesus, they were the difference in Jesus being a guy who really made a big wave in his time to being the Savior of the world that forever changed the history of time. And since that time, those disciples started the reason that hospitals have been built, 
orphanages have been built. Universities have been built. They, they are the reason that the, the, the least and the last have been reached from the biggest cities to the most remote areas of the world. All because Jesus is the reason. Jesus has been the why. So much of that has done through the history of time and still happens today. Don't get past, don't, don't, don't like lose track of that. Well, today we've got another common theme, and, and it's simply this, God's Word. So the Bible is God's Word to us. And so as we start and we talk about God's Word and how we respond to God's Word, I just want to ask you a question. Like, when you're thinking about God's Word and you hear me say the Bible, what do you think about? Do you think about maybe the big giant book that was sitting on Grandma's table? Like, is that what you think about? Like, is this this big book that, do you think about kids' church and maybe it's story time? Like, we all sit around crisscross applesauce and we listen intently to what the teacher has to say and da-da-da-da. Like, what do you think about when you think about God's Word? Are you, or maybe, maybe you just feel guilty. Maybe you feel guilty because God's Word is something that you know you're really supposed to be doing and you're supposed to be doing it every day and you're supposed to be reading it. You're supposed to be studying it. But life gets in the way and you start your day with good intentions and you end up just, oh man, maybe tomorrow. And maybe you feel a little guilty because you've spent time binging the show on Netflix or you spent the time getting lost in reels because how many of you know you can just get lost in watching the reels, right? Like they know what they're doing with that kind of stuff. But here's the point. The Bible is God's Word to us. And my hope today, please hear me. My hope today is that you will grasp and understand That God's Word is more than just a book. It's not just the greatest, most best-selling book of all time. But it is relevant and it is desirable in your life today. And if you'll read it and apply it and you'll obey it because obedience to God's Word. James says, don't be like the person that goes, looks in the mirror, and then walks away and forget what you look like. Like, you got to take God's Word and you got to apply it to your life. And we've gotten in this thing today in society where we're taking God's Word and we hear the teaching, and we go, yeah, yeah, that's good for somebody else, but not for me, because I, and we reason it out. I don't go to church today because I need to sleep in. I'm not going to go to church today because I need to spend time with my family. I don't go to church today because I... I know that what I'm doing and how I'm living my life is against God's Word, but... Obedience to God's Word is super important. So in Mark chapter 4, we're going to go toward the end of the, end of the chapter, then we're going to go back to the beginning and go back to the bottom. Right, But first, I want to set the tone for something Jesus says about God's Word and how it applies to us and in our life. Jesus is speaking, and He also said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which cannot be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret but it should come to light. If anyone has ears, 
to hear, let him hear. Now, this is an important thing right here. I want you to notice this verse. Because it's a theme that we'll hear throughout Mark 4. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed, listen up, pay attention, take heed. That's what Jesus is saying. What you hear. With the same measure you use, what are we talking about? The same measure of hearing, the same attention you give, the same measure you use when listening to God's Word, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So let me just say this. Like a lamp, aren't y'all grateful for electricity? I don't know about y'all, but I am grateful for electricity. A lamp exposes the contents of the room, does it not? Now we think about it, yes, sure, if we were to turn all the lights off and get all the electronics off, you know, the room would be dark. Trust me, it's dark in here with no lights around. Now, I've been here long enough times that I can navigate my way pretty well around the room in the dark. But if I were to put you in the room and no lights on and it were pitch black dark, you might bump a chair. Because even I bump a chair a time or two when I'm walking through here in the dark. So not only does it illuminate and turn the things on, but basically what that means is it exposes to what's in the room, right? And even the weakest light breaks through the darkness. Even the lightest of the light, like the weakest of the light, is still strong enough to break through the darkest darkness. So if we were to turn all the lights off and it was pitch black in here and we were to get a, bat, a flashlight that's about to go dead, the batteries are about to go dead, you would turn that on and even that would be able to light up enough for you to be able to go through. And God's Word, this is what Jesus is talking about, the lamp. God's Word in our life, it exposes the contents of our heart. It exposes the good and it exposes the bad. It exposes the path and it exposes the obstacles in our path. And your response to that will determine whether or not you're successful in following Jesus. Whether or not you're successful in living God's Word or not. So we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. We've talked about some habits. We've talked about some things, some outcomes that we, we believe in as a church. God's Word. To the degree that you welcome God's Word into your life will determine the fruit that you will bear. Can I just tell you this? Like you are not created to exist. You're not created to take up space. Think about God's nature. Just think about the trees and, and, and all the, the, the bushes and the plants and the things of the world that have no soul. Right? They, they don't have living blood, heartbeat breathing through them. Even they exist for a purpose. Even they exist for a purpose. And what 
to the degree that you welcome God's Word and to the degree that you obey God's Word will determine the fruit that you will bear. The fruit will always be greater than the seed. You put one seed in the ground and you get a corn stalk. And what's on that stalk? Multiple ears of corn. You plant a seed on an apple tree, the apple tree grows, and what happens? Multiple apples are produced on that one tree. The fruit, the result of your obedience, the result of your life will always be greater than the seed that was planted. If you'll just plant God's Word in your obedience. I have a friend, Mark Condon, said this, we can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. We're going to talk about that at the very end. So we're going to kind of come back to this analogy that we have. More than ever, people in this world, people that you work with, people that you live with, your family, people that you live beside, your neighbors, people that you go play ball with, the people that you, your, your kids, friends of kids, parents that you hang out with, whatever, they're trying to find their purpose in everything else other than God. We are, as a, in, the, in, in the American culture, listen to me, in American culture, we have placed God further down the priority list than we ever have in our culture before. We are quickly, in God we trust, we are quickly becoming a post-Christian nation. Now, I think it's mostly because of media outlets and things like Hollywood and things like that. I think the core of America is still Christian and still have that. But we are quickly becoming a post-Christian culture. Your decisions today will either bring blessings or curses to your tomorrow. Now don't get freaked out because I said blessings and don't get freaked out because I said curses. I'm not up here trying to do the voodoo thing. That's not what I mean. Here's the truth of it though. Strong language for the fact that when you make a decision today, there are consequences you will face tomorrow. Right? And it may not show up immediately. We've talked about this before. You know, you can, you can be eating right and exercising, doing all the things, and you can stop for a day or two, and you can eat cheeseburgers and Oreos and Little Debbie cakes and all the things for a couple of days, and you're like, well, my belt still fits the same, but you keep that lifestyle up, what's going to happen? Your clothes aren't going to fit the same anymore. Your decisions today have consequences tomorrow. And you can go and you can try to find all the things. But there's purpose in your life. And you might accomplish some things in your life, but you'll never be fulfilled. Man, we could write names on the screen right now of people who in our lives have tried to find fulfillment in all the wrong places. You thinking of somebody? Right? Like we can all think about people who have tried to find fulfillment in all the wrong places. Fulfillment is found in God's purpose. 
It's why we do the next steps class. Because we want to show you how God has wired you and how God has gifted you to create and fulfill the purpose that He has for you. You were created for purpose. And when you're working and living according to that purpose, everything else falls into line and you have complete and focus. So what are we talking about here? God's Word. And we know that hearing God's Word, it's how we build our faith. And I told you, there's going to be a common theme throughout today. Hearing, hearing. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's why it's important that you plant the seed of God's Word in your life. Because the reality is, you have two choices when it comes to the message today. You have two choices when it comes when you're confronted with the Word of God in your devotions. You will either accept God's truth. Yes, Lord, I will change. Yes, Lord, I will do. Yes, Lord, like Abraham, I will follow. Yes, I will go. Or you reject it. Like Jonah. Jonah rejected it, right? Jonah said, Okay, you're telling me to go here, so I'm going to go over here instead. And was there consequences to that? Absolutely. So back to the beginning of Mark. Jesus is telling this story, and he tells this parable. And Jesus is the greatest storyteller ever to walk the face of the earth. And every story that he told had a purpose, and he's teaching in these parables. And so we know that Jesus has already performed miracles when the disciples have already gone. We know the crowds have already begun to separate because the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they're like, I don't know about that, right? And so they're, they're already beginning some. And listen to me. This is something that I've realized this week as I was studying. Jesus is telling this story not from a finger pointing, listen to what i got to say. I'm telling you you're wrong. He's not doing the, because y'all, y'all know when, when the preacher does that, he's, he's really like getting on you. Like he's, he's not doing that. He's telling this from a pastor's heart. He's telling this of listen to me. When you see these people in your life, when you see them interacting in your family, when you see this come out to play, don't cast shadow, don't point your finger, don't call them and cast them down. Pray for them and have a heart for them. This is what Jesus is trying to say. This is the intention, I believe. So remember, we've got a common theme in Mark chapter 4. It's what? Hearing. Look how Jesus starts the parable. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Farmer goes out to cast seed. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Can I just warn you today, we're going to talk very plain about this story. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground 
and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Why do we exist to produce fruit? Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear. Same chapter. Same statement. Let him hear. How did he start the parable? Listen. How did he end it? Hear. And it choked it, and it yielded no crop. We're going to go into the meaning of that in just a second, but a couple of verses down, Jesus said, and he said to them, to you it has been given. The disciples asked the question, hey, what does, that, what does that parable mean? Like, I know we're supposed to know, but we don't. So will you tell us, like, what's going on? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So he's saying there are some people in this, that you have been as a follower of Jesus. You have now been given inside of you because you spent time with God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have been given access to the answer. The mysteries of the Old Testament are now going to become real. So we're going to say that first statement in a different way. The fruitfulness of your life is determined by your acceptance of God's Word. You have a choice to accept or to reject. God gave you free will. He's going to respect that. Because He's a filler, not a forcer. God's not going to come in and just force it in. He wants you to accept it. He wants you to choose. If I were to grab two people, a man and a woman, and I were to bring them together and I'd say, all right, y'all love each other. Do it now. Does that work? Nah, probably not. But if they choose one another, they choose love. They choose to love one another. So when the hard time comes, what happens? They stay together because they're committed by choice so let's go through the parable the seed of God's word the seed of God's word the seed is always the same this book has been around for thousands and thousands of years and it's never changed 2 Timothy tells us that all the Word of God is, is God-breathed, God-inspired. The truth of God's Word does not change. The difference is the condition of the dirt. That's you and me, y'all. The soil of your heart. Some's fertile, some's not. That's what the story's talking about. Let's be honest. It doesn't really take a whole lot plant a seed and have something grow. You've got to have the right conditions of the soil, right? So you've got to have dirt, you've got to have water, and you've got to have sunshine. We all established in that? Like I am 
I'm not a farmer. I ain't country folk, right? But I know that's, that's the basics of what it is. I know I oversimplified. So let's go through the story. The hardened path. This is the hardened heart. These are people who probably aren't sitting in a church service or aren't watching online right now. These are the people that are probably like, not, I'm good, I don't believe in the God thing. I had a conversation with somebody this week. Not, I don't believe, I don't believe, I'm, I'm a believer. Well, maybe I am a believer. Like, that was the response she gave me. I don't know, maybe I'm a believer. To me, I think God's probably working. But at some point, maybe they have believed. Maybe they grew up in church and the parents were like overbearing and over strict and over, or maybe their parents were like hypocrites. Maybe they were one thing in church and they were like, look at me, I'm all holy and look at me, I'm all this. But at home, they saw how they really were. Maybe because of mistakes that was happening in the church and mistakes that happened with pastors and preachers and church leaders, maybe they hardened their heart and they said, I'm going to close my ears and I don't believe any of that because of them. If you're looking at the wrong source and you're not looking at the source who is God, then guess what? You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be let down. And this hardened heart, we all know people like that. We all know people like that. Rocky places, shallow soul. Can we just speak plain right now? Can I just be real with you? We had people, we had all of our chairs out. I'm going to say it out loud. We had all of our chairs out at Easter. We had to bring office chairs out of the office for people to sit in on Easter Sunday. And then summer came. The reality is, there are people, and it's by their choice, they're not choosing to grow, they're not choosing to do, but by their choice, they have shallow soul. Maybe they were just introduced. Maybe they just came to know. Or maybe... They know better and just are resisting. But this shallow soul, because they have no root, watch. Jesus compares the sunshine to trouble and persecution. But listen to me. What do you got to have to grow something? Three things. You got to have dirt, you got to have water, and you got to have... So the sunshine that's necessary for healthy trees to grow because they, it sends the roots down to grow and to find water is also the things that will trip up and burn those with shallow, those that aren't planted. And we all know somebody in the last couple, two, three years that have walked away from their faith. Maybe one of the reasons is because they didn't dig deep and push their roots down to find water. And when persecution and trouble comes, because it's going to come, your response to it is to accept or to reject. Thorns. This is environment and distractions. This is probably 
Look, our church isn't built to sheep swap. What do I mean by that? Our church isn't something where super religious folk are going to feel comfortable coming in and going, oh, I'm at home here. We are created, we are built for people that are searching. We are created, we are built for people that want to go deeper, that want to reach their friends, that want to do. It's why, can I just say it out loud? Because I'm going to. It's why the room looks like it does. It's why the room looked like it did at Easter time. And it's why it looks like it does now at the end of summer. Because sunshine has come. And I mean that in both ways. And for some, it's been difficult times and life's just wearing people out. I know people right now that life's just wearing them out. And we're praying for them. But I also know that there are people who are just got some roots in the bottom, but on the top it's just too crowded. And the thorns are growing up and it's strangling out the fruit. It's strangling out what God's trying to do in their life. Jesus talked about it. Now these are the ones who sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. Jesus said that. So there are people who know better, but are still distracted by the chasing all the things of the world. It's not necessarily because they don't want it. They just don't want it enough. What do I mean by that? It's, oh gosh. I'm not beating y'all up. I love y'all. But it's the decision to roll over. It's the decision to say, I need a family day today. It's the decision to say, yeah, but the distractions of the world It's the decision to say, I'm going to work anyway today on Sunday. I know I have a choice to go in later. I have a choice not, but I'm going to go ahead. It's the decision to say, well, (laughs) my kid's an all-star. Like we're going to be in the NBA. We're going to be in the NFL. We're going to be in the major league soccer, which we're going to be, My kid is the greatest athlete in the history of greatest athletes. So today on Sunday, I must have them go to, I must put them in a travel, I must, oh, I know I'm offending some people today, but I love y'all. The last one's the good stuff, the good soul. It's a clean heart. It's the one that responds to God's word. This is where we want to be pliable, open, good seed, dirt, water, sunshine. It's a good thing. Spiritual growth, listen to me. Spiritual growth will not happen when God's kingdom, what is God's kingdom? It's his word, it's his call, it's what God is up to. 
Spiritual growth will not happen when God's kingdom is marginalized in your life. Spiritual growth will not happen when you look at this word and you say, ah, later, it's not important. Spiritual growth will not happen when you get up in the morning and you're just too busy to pray, you're too busy to do, you're too busy to... Spiritual growth will not happen when you say the disciplines of God's word, the disciplines of serving, the discipline of giving, the discipline of godly community, and the discipline of worship on your own and worship corporately. Spiritual growth will not happen when you just put those things to the side and you're chasing all the other things. And some of you right now are looking at me thinking, you better shut up or you better do, or you're looking at me and you're saying, ooh, I wish so-and-so was here. Well, the good thing is you can share the message with them. So Jesus goes on, he talks about the mustard seed, right? We've heard about the mustard seed. Mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds, but it grows into a really big tree. Here's the point. Your decisions today produces tomorrow's fruit. So there's no way that I can get this right without looking at it. I talked to you a minute ago about the apple seed. The end of service, we're going to give everybody a little packet. You go plant it if you want, but we're giving you an apple seed. Like we had to put it in a little bitty envelope because if we didn't, you would lose it because it's like so small. You've all eaten apples, right? So the, an apple, depending on what kind it is, depending on you know, what, where it came from, all that, it's going to have an average between two to four to ten seeds in it. So let's take an average of five seeds in an apple. Right? If this is half the apple, then there's two more seeds somewhere else. So let's take an average of five seeds. That means one apple tree will produce about 1,500 seeds. Those 1,500 seeds will then potentially produce 450,000 apples. That's another 2,250,000 seeds. So one seed can produce another tree with each tree yielding hundreds of apples with seeds in each one. Like, the, the, the fruit produced is always greater than the seed that's planted. Your decisions today produce tomorrow fruit. Somebody needs to write this scripture down. It's, it's about God's word. So I'm just going to leave that up and we're going to go from here. Next week, we're going to finish up Mark chapter 4. I knew we wouldn't finish today, so this is all I had planned. We're going to wrap up and finish Mark chapter 4. But Isaiah 55 is a promise for you. It's a promise about God's word in your life. It's a promise about God's promises in your life. Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 11. The Word of God has life within itself, and God will ensure growth and harvest as people respond to it. Would you stand with me? So I went over five minutes today. I apologize. You will still get out in time to be first in line. 
Okay? I just want you to hear. The heart of this message is not turn or burn. You're all going to hell. That's not the intention of this message. And if you know me, that's not my heart. But I've got to teach you the truth in love and with grace. And I think the heart of what Jesus is trying to say is, beware of tripping up. Because the sunshine's going to come, but the soil that's planted, the water that comes is preparation for those dry seasons. Because if you're just seeking all the things in the world, you're going to have spiritual drought. And that's not what you were designed. You were designed to be fruitful. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I've got to ask you this question. Maybe you're in the room today and you're thinking, man, I'm not even close. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm not even trying to live right. I'm just here checking it out. I'm here because they came. I'm here because they brought. I'm here because whatever. Today you're like, okay, you know, I want to be good seed. I want to have good soil. I want to produce fruit. I want to do all the right things and I recognize myself not in the bottom part the good soil but in the other things if that's you that's okay because it's okay to not be okay but it is not okay to stay that way and we must grow and learn so if you're in the room today and you would say you know what man I want to make a commitment I want to live I want to do if that's you no one looking around but me you'd look and you just slip your hand up and you'd raise, just raise your hand, make eye contact with me, and we'll know we're praying for you. If you're online, you can text the word next. We want to connect with you. It's not something we do. We want to connect with you. Heavenly Father, we love you. And God, we are so grateful for you and who you are. Now, God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would move in a mighty way move in our hearts. God, take the seed of this word who you said would not return void. Take the seed of this word, God, and let it grow in our hearts to understand that we got to push to the next step. And God, I ask that you would make our hearts pliable. Good soul. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here in a minute, they're going to sing us out. This is your dismissal. I just ask you to hang on one second. For those of you who are online, Thank you so much for joining us. We love you, and we'll see you next week.